Hi, I'm Jason Scott, and this is iloveedmontonrealestate.com. My guest today is Mike Gruy. Mike is a realtor with Century 21 Masters. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I so appreciate what, it. Yeah, what's new, what's new in your world, Mike? Well, juggling between hockey and real estate, and now I guess we have the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, just trying to manage different aspects of my life and helping my clients and kind of go from there. So Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your background. How did you become a realtor? Oh, I, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> long, long story short, um, I actually was in hazardous materials for 15 years doing emergency response. So oil spills, chemical releases, whatever, right? Exactly. So if a truck would roll over, we'll just say on Highway 63 or a train would derail wherever, the companies that I would work for, we would get dispatched at all hours of the day. It wouldn't matter if it was Christmas or a birthday or a wedding or whatever. And Murphy's Law was it was Christmas or a birthday or whatever, right? <laughs> of, all, of, all the of all the holidays, family day, I would say, was the most common. Okay. I know we're coming up to that right now. <laughs> but family day, I think we had like a four-year stretch that weekend. We always get a call. So you so. still get twitchy on family day, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my interpretation of what you're saying is you were on the road all the time. That's right. You know, when I was just recently married, I was in that position. And as life progressed, I started to have a couple of kids and I would be gone and I'd be waiting for my phone to ring. So I just at one point, I just, you know, this wasn't the career for me, if you will, and kind of really got out of it. So why real estate then? You know what? I had to really dig deep when I switched careers. I didn't know what I wanted to do. At that point, I was 38 years old mm -hmm. and I was, oh no, I'm married, have two kids, have a mortgage. What am I going to do? I just knew what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And it took a lot of, I don't want to say soul searching, but really self-development and really, really focus on what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Looking back at my past experience, it's like you finish high school and you got to go to university. Yeah. And or suppose that's what society tells that, you. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and you barely know anything about yourself. Yeah. So how are you supposed to pick your career that you're going to be with for 50 years? Yeah. So, so I do really appreciate how there's a lot of people doing a lot of career changes midlife, if you will. Yeah. So to go back to how I got into it, I was off for four months and I was just looking and I, I literally told myself if I had all the money in the world and I could go to any university or any school to get back and develop my career, what would it be? And I couldn't answer myself. And then I was at home and I don't want to say I was watching the home and garden channel way, probably way too much, but I, the real estate part interests me. And I was always helping people, you know, look for homes just on the side of, I had friends I would call and say, Hey, I'm looking at buying a place in Fraser, or I'm looking at, I would get a place in Twilliger or wherever. And for whatever reason, they would come to me and ask for my help. And you're not a realtor whatsoever. Not a, not a sniff. So then I looked into that career and it was very fortunate that my aunt and uncle had actually won the big brother's big sister's dream home oh, out wow. in St. Albert. Good for them. And they were selling their property at the time and it's going to bother me what realtor they used. But I had a conversation with him about getting into the industry and he was amazing at the fact that, you know, it's not about just it has to be about your customers. Yeah. 
And it has to be about developing a relationship with them. And he basically said, it didn't matter what brokerage you're with. It's how you develop your relationships. So it really kind of started digging a little bit deeper into, well, you know, this might be the career for me. So at that point, I decided to, and I didn't know if this is probably the best way to do it. I had interviews with four different brokerages. And I had the conversations with them and I really kind of figured how each brokerage would fit my needs, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. and how they developed their relationships, not only with their other realtors, but with the clients and how they can support one another. So it was very interesting that way. And then on the background, I was doing that self-development and I really came across a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek. And he has his, his find your why. Yeah. And not to come preachy, but it really struck a chord with me of why I do what I do. And I really found that what made me happy at the end of the day was my why. I want to feel really good about myself and have a good day. And it didn't have to be monetary. didn't have to be, I got something fancy or whatever. It just the day you have a good day. You can't put your finger on it. It was just a good day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of evolved into, okay, how do I do that? And I found in my life experience, helping people was how I had a really good day. Right. And kind of going a little bit forward into that. What I do is now I'm a realtor. Previously, I was doing emergency response. I was helping people, different aspects, of course, but I was helping people and I really feel fulfilled at the end of the day by helping people. Right. And in this case, there's a tangible result. You know, there's either a family's moving into a new house or they're leaving behind an old house and probably moving into a new house. Right. But yeah, you've got that emotional component to it. Right. In the transition, I discovered, actually, my cousin was working at the Italian Center Shop. Okay, yeah. Big fan there, personally. I go to multiple of those stores, but anyways. (laughs) How can you not? (laughs) I don't want to put too much of a plug in for them, but (laughs) But, uh, he had come to me and he said, why don't you come work work with me while you're trying to figure out what you're going to do? And at that point, I was like, Really? I'm I'm 38, 39 years old. I'm not going to go work at a grocery store again. And I'm so glad that I did because it kind of re-energized myself. Okay. And it also helped me just realize that it doesn't matter if you are giving somebody a piece of bread mm-hmm. or helping with olive oil or a panini or something like right. that. You're still helping them. And it kind of really humbled me a lot to say, you know, I'm, I might be helping them find a home or sell their home, or I'm giving them a loaf of bread to have a good family dinner. I'm still getting to that end result of, you know, I feel really good about what I did for today. So that's where I'm kind of at right now. And lo and behold, I didn't think actually this March, I'm on six years at the Italian Center is in addition to my five years as a realtor. Right. Now you're very part-time at the Italian Absolutely. Center. Absolutely. I'm only like maybe nine hours a week. Right, right. So you're doing it more for a social activity than anything else. Absolutely. And, well, and the food is fantastic. Yeah, the, yeah, the food's good. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, the food is good. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But it's, in, you know, it is interesting how you know, from a philosophical standpoint, you're right. It doesn't matter whether it's bread or bricks. The end result for your, your client is important to that person at that time. So how does working at at the grocery store 
help your real estate. Oh, you know what? I love the fact that whether it's other employees, my coworkers come to me all the time for real estate questions or customers find out that I'm a realtor and they'll ask me how the market is. So I'll have a, a conversation in our office about interest rates or, or whatever, how the market is. And then I'll go to the store for my put in my three hour shift and I'll get asked probably three or four times throughout my shift from coworkers or customers about how the market is that I just had in 10 or an hour previous in our, our brokerage. It was one specific time. It's kind of funny. I had a coworker. I hadn't seen her in like six months. She had uh, come into the store and I know she was in school, but I didn't know when she was graduating. And I was literally walking out the door. It's like, so you're going to buy a house with me or what? And I just said, it is a, like a, pretty much a smart aleck comment to come back. She's like, I actually am thinking about selling my house. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Turned around, had a five minute conversation with her and then went met with her at her, her condo. And just to kind of a off the wind kind of comment walking out the door, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ended up selling her house in four days, yeah, yeah. which was awesome. She moved in with her partner, which was great. So they're just a, developing more of a, a relationship financially together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're probably going to buy something a little bit bigger down the road. Yeah. I'm all from just, you know, <laughs> having your, uh, you know, an extra iron in the fire and, and, you know, having almost like a fun job, right? It is. It, it's, again, helping those people and going back down to the, you know what, my friends can look into sell house. You want to have a conversation with them or I'm thinking of moving apartments because the rent went up. I'm like, oh, it's maybe renting isn't the best for you. Maybe buying a property is. Well, no, I can't buy a property. Well, have you sat down and talked to a mortgage broker or whatever? Yeah. There's so many different parts that people have been approaching me and you know i love the fact that they come to me and just it's just a hi how's it going what are you up to oh, this, just sold a property this weekend or whatever the conversation is like oh yeah my friend does and then automatically it revolves into how can i help you out yeah it seems the harder i try to push real estate there the more people are push off right as soon as i I don't say anything about real estate, the more they come, <laughs> they, they come to me. Yeah, so. No, that's amazing. <laughs> and how I've learned with the whole transactions for real estate, it's all about your relationships. So a mortgage broker, a lawyer, the home inspector, where I think I come in is I can help facilitate all those pieces together yeah. with my clients and whether they're buying or selling a home. There's just so many parts, moving parts to it. Yeah. That, you know, hopefully they can come to me and say, Mike, what I do for finances? Well, hey, I, I know a guy. His name is Jason. Yeah. He's yeah, fantastic yeah. with mortgages. Yeah. All right. And keep going down the list. Yeah. Like to use the football analogy, since it is Super Bowl Sunday, it depends who the client comes to first, but ultimately it's either the mortgage broker or the realtor who is coordinating the initial plays. Right. Yeah. And then the, you know, the lawyer is carrying the ball across the line as it were. Right. So, and, you know, the home inspector is, you know, a defense linesman or whatever to make sure everything's good. Right. So it's very much a relationship driven well, business for sure. And just there's so many, the moving parts to it. And, and when you have 
arguably the biggest financial transaction in your life. And so many people are wanting to be a part of that. How uh, You need to have that help and support to navigate through that because there's just, like I said, so many moving parts to it. And there's the finance, the lawyer, the, the home inspection. Go keep going down the list. Yeah. You just need that help and support and that trust in those people that you're working with. Yeah. Tell me about the real estate transaction. So whether it was a, a, like a, you were representing a buyer or a seller, tell me which transaction the penny really dropped for you. And you're like, you know what? This is the right thing for me to do. I don't want to say easily, but probably the most one that comes always comes to mind was had it was a, on the buying side and had a, a new family. They have us now they're 11 years old, a four year old. And I just found out they're expecting the third child. And they've, their dream was to come to Canada because they came from a country that wasn't as stable. And let's face it, Canada's an amazing country and we're so very fortunate. So when they came to Canada, their dream was to be a homeowners and they had worked for at this point, I believe it was six years getting their residency, saving enough money, working two jobs each, having a family on top of that. And then they had me be part of their transaction to help them find a home. And it wasn't an expensive home or anything like that. But who cares about it? It was there was their home. It, it was yeah, their dream. That's what matters is. And it was yeah. the smiling, not only on the the mom and dad side of it, but their kids side of it was just this is home. This is what we work for. Yeah. And by far that was like the best transaction. Yeah, yeah. By far, just to see their genuine appreciation of okay, this is home now. Yeah, and a, that sense of security and all the great things that come along emotionally and psychologically with home ownership, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about the most frustrating day you've had in real estate. <laughs> I don't want to say it was this week, but I'll say if it was maybe this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. What happened? No, it, was, it wasn't anything too, too crazy. And, but in the same token, it's a, it was an unfortunate situation where I was in a state sale. Okay. So I was on the selling side. So I had clients buying a property. Okay, so an estate sale, just so people know, that means someone's passed away and, you know, they may be the last surviving spouse and now the kids presumably are having to deal with mom and dad's home. Exactly, yet. So there's, in some cases, there's a power of attorney. In some cases, there's an executor. So they were dealing with the executor. We were dealing with the executor of the estate. So everything was going fantastic. Clients, we looked at multiple homes. This was the home they, they settled on put an offer in, went back and forth, negotiated favorable terms for my clients. I and mean, I'm sure the other realtor thought he was negotiating their favorable terms for their client. So we met, came up with a deal, and we had key release on Tuesday. Okay. Which normally goes pretty straightforward. That's And your clients are the buyers of this? This is correct. Okay. I usually get a phone call from the lawyers that we're dealing with in the mornings. Again, having that relationship started well in advance of key release. We got the phone call at 10 o'clock and the conversation was their real estate lawyer on the selling side. They weren't practicing in real estate law. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, but we can work around it. They're going to talk to another lawyer this afternoon here shortly. So the transactions might be a little bit delayed. 
So we're, we're digging a little bit further into it. And then we find out that they weren't sure if probate had gone through. Oh, my God. Okay, so probate, <laughs> just so people know, that's where the courts say, yes, you know, this estate can be wrapped up and you can sell properties and disperse money and all that good stuff. Correct. And it's a process. <laughs> it, it's not just, but I did find out that it was thankfully both lawyers, the lawyer that my client used, and the new lawyer that was brought in at 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. My God. Okay. Worked extremely close together. They actually found out and got everything done at about 4.45 on Tuesday. Yeah. And I got word that keys were, had been released. Yeah. And in the background, so you're trying to navigate all of this stuff up front with the, the lawyers and the other realtor. My clients were working up north and just came off night shift, flew to Calgary, drove up to Edmonton, and hadn't slept in over, at that point, it was 26 hours with all anticipation of getting their new home so they can sleep and then get stuff moving the next couple of days. Okay, so at least the moving van wasn't waiting. The moving van, I always make sure that yeah. you don't schedule anything for the day of a key release. Yeah, because things can go sideways, Absolutely. no matter what. Things Absolutely. can go sideways. Okay, so they haven't slept. You finally get the keys at 5 o'clock. And there is, they're like, okay, let's meet at the property. And we met there. And I like to give a bottle of Prosecco when you get uh, a key release, uh, depending on the client, of course came in and they were just they popped it right there and <laughs> just <laughs> like oh thank you so much and then it was like okay we're gonna go to bed now <laughs> and it was all done yeah yeah but uh, I, I don't want to say it was a frustrating but it was just part of the process yeah of how i really do believe you need to have those relationships whether it's your lawyer, your finances, yeah. and making sure that all the ducks are lined up. Yeah, and everyone's talking to everyone else, right? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah, because that's a situation where, you know, the lawyers could have potentially resolved that two or three days earlier, right? And thank God probate was cleared. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was just frustrating because you want... You know, it doesn't happen all the time at 12 o'clock, actually. It very seldom happens right at 12 o'clock yeah. when you get key release. But you just, you want to give your clients like, hey, this is going to be the exciting part of the whole month or two months process. Here's your keys. Thank you yeah. very much. And you get to see that smile on their face and yeah, they're very yeah. happy. Yeah, there should not be possession day stress. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be, shouldn't be, right? But you should be prepared for it and not have a, a moving truck waiting. Correct. No. Yeah. Wait till the next weekend kind of thing. Yeah. All right, cool. When you look back on, say, the last you know two or three months worth of transactions, what do you see developing for trends that you think will continue on for, for this real estate market? I, I do see... With the recent announcement that the Bank of Canada's interest rates are staying flat, mm -hmm. I don't foresee them going down the next announcement, which is March, from my understanding. Mm -hmm. So I, I do feel that they will decrease a little bit, not a whole lot, but that's up to a that's lot up, of people. That's up to, up to Tiff McCallum, who's the governor of the Bank of Canada, plus his team. But yeah, who knows, right? It's, it's crystal ball stuff. Presumably rates will go down at some point. Who knows when? Who knows by how much? <laughs> how I see it, 
because if they do go down, I think a lot of people start getting back into the market. Mm-hmm. So I think the need is going to keep going up mm-hmm. for more homes. Yeah, like fixed rate mortgages. I'm just going to quote a five-year fixed. As of today, subject to change, we had one lender say rates are going up today. So it'll be out of date by the time you hear this. But rates are roughly right around 5%. Okay. And that's a psychological number, in my opinion, for people. For sure. And so if you get, say it was 4.99, mm-hmm. just like if it's a house that's 399000 mm-hmm. you have that psychological pricing. Yeah. But with the amount of people that have migrated to Alberta, and specifically to Edmonton, and Edmonton still being a very affordable city compared to other municipalities, whether it's... I don't want to put Toronto and Vancouver in that category because those are way out there. Yeah, it's stratosphere <laughs> craziness. But you look at Calgary, for example, or even Winnipeg or Saskatoon. Edmonton, I think, is that location where people wanted to come to. Um, you got the oil field, of course. You got the universities. There's so much going on in Edmonton mm-hmm. that I do think we're going to have a bit of a, a seller market here in mm-hmm. the next little bit. Yeah. And with just so many people coming into Edmonton, migrating into Edmonton, for sure. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that thought, for sure. How are you preparing your clients for that kind of a market? It really depends on what side you're on, of course. You know, if you have your buyers, really sitting down with them and explaining multiple offer scenarios. Mm -hmm. I mean, just being really prepared when it comes down to putting an offer down. We'll just use the list price of, say, $400,000, just for an example's sakes. Knowing that we can meet the seller's conditions and really f- make sure that the offer we're putting forward is a good offer, not just, oh, let's put it at 350 because we want to save money, is we want to ma- actually make sure that we are going to help you get the home with the right conditions for yourself, but not scare away the seller. Yeah. And now if I flip that coin and say on the seller side, we want to be the, make sure that the property is prepared and then pers- explain to them that multiple offer scenario potential because the market, I do believe, is going to be in favor of that. So if we do list at 400000 yeah, what what it means if we get an offer of 410000 doesn't necessarily mean that's the best offer on the table. Right, because it dep- depends on possession dates and what sort of conditions the buyer has, etc. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I can tell you right now, This week, I'm working on two separate purchases where my clients were backup offers and the initial offer or the winning offer in the multiple offer scenario fell apart due to financing. Right. So, And that's a great, a good thing to talk to your, the buying side of it as well is what are your financial situations? As much as we do rely on the Bank of Canada or the fixed rates, each person's individual finances are completely different. And if you don't have a good understanding of your own finances, you know, how can we help with the property, right? Yeah. As the market heats up, there's going to be greater and greater temptation for people to make unconditional offers or not have a financing condition clause. What's your thought on that? Unconditional offers are obviously the best thing for a seller. Sure. Yeah, everybody wants them. Yeah. But on the buying side, it's my job to help advise of the risks that you're taking on with that. And so what sort of risks are there? Let's just say we do one without a property inspection. Yeah. Property inspections, I suggest them for everything. Just so you have a really good understanding of what you're buying into. 
depending on the age of the home, you might have to do new shingles or what's the wiring in the house or what's the plumbing in the house? What's the condition of the furnace? Go down the list of everything that could potentially need to be updated in a property. If you don't have that inspection done, you're just kind of assuming everything's all fine and dandy where you might have to pay another ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for shingles, another five thousand dollars for a new furnace, another couple thousand for a hot water tank. What about how are the appliances? What are the condition there? And what's go down the list of everything that yeah, yeah. may be wrong with that home if you don't understand that. That's my humble opinion is really get that inspection done. Right, right. And then on the financing side, my advice is unless you've got the purchase price sitting in cash in your bank account you always have subject to financing because it's not just the the buyer who gets approved it's the property the condition of the property the value of the property the usage of the property right is it a rental property or is it owner occupied etc so yeah it's important for sure you, you bring up a very good point about the property itself for the financing last year i had a client that had put in two offers and they were pre-approved for a certain amount of money we went to go we put the offer in and we had the financing condition in the in the offer unfortunately the lender didn't approve not on the the clients but because of the building mm, what was the issue with the building at that time there was too many they had um what was it? The condo fees on one of the buildings. Mm -hmm. They had too many people defaulting. Oh, okay. On there because they had too many rentals. Yeah, yeah. In the building. I mean, the other one is the special assessment. They didn't have enough funds in the reserve fund. Yeah. To make all the fixes to the envelope of the building. Yeah. So when we did the condo doc review, another condition. Yeah. We made unfortunately the the lender said there was just too much risk involved yeah. in buying properties in those two two units. Right. Yeah. So that's had that been an unconditional offer, your buyers would have been totally up the creek. Absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so if there's nothing else we take away from this podcast, it's do not write unconditional offers unless you have the cash to pay for them. For sure. <laughs> and even then, you have to look at it as, as a risk management. Right. Coming from hazmat and, and a safety background, you have to look at what risk are you willing to take on and what risk are you willing to manage. Yeah. Whether it's a financial or whether it's for the actual building itself. Yeah. I really do believe that's, and that's where having a home inspection done on a single family home is important or getting condo documents reviewed on a condominium is important so you you understand what you're buying into so you have an informed decision on a four hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar transaction yeah for sure mike what's the best real estate advice you ever received listen what do you mean by that my wife will kill me for saying this you never <laughs> no, listen no. mike <laughs> no no <laughs> No, it is the active listening part. Yeah. Is it waiting for your turn to speak or are you actually listening to the, to the people you're talking to? And the reason I bring that up is, yeah, you could be in the industry for 20, 30, 100 years and the Dalai Lama of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't listen to the people you're representing or the people that you're working with, whether it's the mortgage broker or whatnot, you might not be hearing what needs to be done. Yeah. And that's where you miss out on the finer details. And you might not be meeting your client's expectations or something may fall through the crack with the, 
the support that you have around you. So by far, listening is probably the biggest, best piece of advice that I've had um, in real estate for sure. And that's actually good business advice or life advice period, right? So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Let's say you had a family member buying a place or wanting to buy a place or sell a place in a different city so you can't represent them, right? Mm -hmm. So they're in Toronto or whatever. What advice would you give about how they should go about selecting a realtor to work with? That's, that's an amazing question because I do ask that at the clients I have now. As much as I want to represent everybody buying and selling a house in Edmonton, I don't think that's realistic. I do recommend that they'd have one or two conversations, if not three conversations. Because like I said earlier, it's about that relationship. And sometimes you might not have a good relationship right off the get-go. It might be the second, it might be the third conversation you had with somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's really important, especially again, with a, the biggest transaction in your life, to have those relationships built. So I do encourage them to have a conversation multiple times with different realtors, maybe different lawyers, maybe different mortgage brokers or specialists, just so you have that familiar and that relationship built with them. I look at it as a family, and you might I always laugh at this. Forget the you love your partner, you love your wife, whatever it is. Think of it as a business. And our clients are hiring us as employees to help and support them. Absolutely. So when you go to an interview, do you hire the first person you talk to? More than likely not. It's multiple conversations. It's multiple interviews. So my advice to somebody buying property, say maybe not in our market, but even in our market, is to have those multiple conversations with the realtors and the mortgage brokers to really develop and learn that relationship with them for sure yeah for sure it, not everyone is a fit for any particular client or vice versa right so yeah yeah that really is important mike any other thoughts or comments to to wrap the show up no right now i think the biggest thing with real estate that i've i found is again just to keep hammering that relationship part down having a relationship with people that you can trust. And it's so important because if we're going to spend, maybe we look at 20 homes, maybe we look at 15 condos and each property is very unique in itself. And it's how do we kind of get all the right information so the people buying or selling have enough information to make an informed decision to what's best for them. Again, we're working for those people so we want to make sure that we're there for them and they're the ones making the decisions. We want to stay, keep our opinions out as much as we can, of course. Yeah. But that's the one big thing that I think that most realtors do um, and all the people that support the real estate transaction are there for, for sure. Right. Mike Gray with uh, Century 21 Masters. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me. 